In the Talmud Yerushalmi, it says that David HaMelech, King David, died on Shavuos. Shavuos is his yartzeit. So in honor of this yartzeit, the topic we're going to discuss tonight is related both to Torah, the subject of Shavuos, and to David HaMelech. David HaMelech is the most famous singer, musician in Jewish history, often referred to as the Neim Zmiros. We're going to talk about a somewhat obscure prohibition in the Gemara, a prohibition against setting psukim to music, using psukim as songs. This is a this is a an agadita, a Gemara that comes in a couple of places. The Gemara is rather opposed to using psukim as musical entertainment. Two Gemaras, one of them refers to David Melech himself. Darash Rava, Gemara in Sota, it says, why was David punished? At the story of Uzzah, when they were bringing the Aaron back, there was a great tragedy, the, the great joy of returning the Aaron was marred by Hashem's killing Uzzah. Why did this happen to David? So, why did it happen to Uzzah is also a good question, but Uzzah, we also have explanations what he did wrong, but why was David punished? So David was punished because he called Divrei Torah's Miros. He said, Zmiros hayulichu kecha beveis magurai, he, he called Hashem's chukim, the Torah, he called them songs. Kipshuto, it sounds like a lovely sentiment. He, he loved Torah so much, he called them his songs, things he enjoyed singing. But the Gemara says it was inappropriate and he was punished. You can't call divrei Torah zmiros. It's not respectful to the Torah. That's not the way you refer to Torah. It says, Torah is such a lofty and difficult subject, and, and you call it, uh, you call them, you call them uh, songs, you're going to be punished. One Gemara... Another Gemara is in Sanhedrin. It says that if someone is kore pasuk shal shirashirim, according to Argyrus in the Gemara, if someone reads a pasuk of shirashirim, some Rishonim had any pasuk perhaps, but Argyrus is pasuk in shirashirim, and you make it kimin zemer, you treat it like a song. And another, exa- another bad thing to do, if you read a pasuk in base mishtos, in bars, in, in houses of partying and drinking, so that's very bad. It brings ra la'olam, it brings misfortune, it brings evil to the world. The Torah is chagera sak, the Torah girds itself in sackcloth. It stands before Akash Baruch Hu and it says, Rabbanu Shalolam, asuni banecha kikinar shemnagin ba'leitzim. They're treating me like uh, an instrument used by jesters. I'm the Torah, this is how they treat me. Similar idea to the Gemara in Sota. It is wrong to turn Torah into musical entertainment. Now, this halacha did not get, this, whatever it is, halacha, Indian, this idea of chazal did not really get much attention for most of Jewish history. There is very, very little serious halachic discussion until the 20th century. Over the last century or so, we have a number of tshuvos, other halachic discussions, but also a number of tshuvos that deal with what does this exactly mean? What are the practical ramifications of this Gemara? Are you really not allowed to sing songs of psukim? Much of Jewish music over the last century has been psukim. Has been uh, Karlbach, Mordechai ben David, uh, Pirche, the choirs, all, all kinds of Jewish music for the last century has been largely psukim. Is that really all Oster? The Gemara in Sanhedrin said Shirashirim. Is that limited to Shirashirim? Even that, we sing Shirashirim. Karlbach, Hashmiyani Eskolech, Kol Dodi. There, 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 are, there are various songs of Shir Hashirim as well. And certainly from the rest of Tanakh, much of Jewish music for decades has been psukim. 
So again, for whatever reason, there is very little halachic discussion about this before about a century ago. Maybe it wasn't very common to sing uh, to sing psukim. I have a fr- I, I had a, I had a friend, some, someone I knew in Yerushalayim, a, a senior Talmud of Rabbi David Salvechik, the Colonel of Racha. We were singing. It may have even been on Shavuos at his house. We were singing one of the songs from davening from the from the liturgy. And he told me that uh, at the Chanukah Sabayis of a certain yeshiva in Europe, they sang this song for two hours straight, he told me. They didn't, it wasn't like switching every five minutes. And he said, and we Davka sang this song. We sang songs from Davening, because we didn't sing Pesukim. We're not allowed to sing Pesukim. We're not allowed to sing songs of Devei Torah. Truth is, as we're going to see in some of the tshuvas, many poskim understand that you can't sing Davening either. You're not supposed to sing Davening songs either. You, you shouldn't be taking words of tefillah, words of great Kedusha, Kaddish, Davening in general. You shouldn't be taking words of davening and using them for your entertainment. So what exactly is this prohibition? What does it mean? Do we follow it? Is it limited in some way? So we're going to take a look at tonight, again, at a medley of tshuvas, a number of different tshuvas, we'll see how many we have time for, all from the 20th century that struggle to articulate what exactly is the prohibition, what are its parameters, and many of them grapple with the fact that, the, that this halacha seems to be honored in the breach. It is, it, it, many of them testify to the fact that across different cultures, Fardim, Ashkenazim, Europe, the United States, across many subcultures of, of Judaism, it is quite common to sing psukim. And how do we square that with these, with these gemaras that talk about how it is a bad thing to, a bad thing to uh, sing psukim? So the first of these tshuvas I want to consider is a tshuva of the Marshag. The Marshag is Rabbi Shimon Greenfeld, one of the outstanding Eastern European postkim before the war. He was a, uh, a posik's posik. He was uh, widely revered as being a master of halacha, of practical halacha. His tshuva is quite fascinating. First, because it's, he's one of the first of the modern postkim to discuss this very practical and common question. Second, because he's dealing with modern technology. He was dealing with the phonograph, which was a new technology in his time. Third, because his approach to the halacha is remarkable, as we're going to see. The, 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 the introduction he gives to why he's uncomfortable with the shayla is a very interesting one, and it speaks volumes about his understanding of the nature of the halachic process. He says that his correspondent had gotten into an argument with a friend. The custom these days is, he says, when they have parties, sudas chasana, wedding, bris mila, part of the bris mil, they set up a klihanikras phonograph, they set up a phonograph, a record player, and the kliatsma managin, this instrument plays by itself, unlike traditional instruments, you need a human to play them, this instrument plays by itself, and it can sing psukim, and it can sing tehillim. So, his correspondent's friend had said, it's Oster, you know to turn Psukim into, uh, into songs. You can't use, you can't use Divrei Torah for entertainment. And that's why his friend was, uh, was a hardliner. His friend would not attend any Simcha where he thought they would have musical entertainment like this. And the Marshak's correspondent disagreed, and he says, no, it's for Simcha's Mitzvah. Weddings and brises are, are Simcha's Mitzvah. And anyway... Even if it's not the right thing to do, but going to, going to a Sudas mitzvah is a great mitzvah itself, you shouldn't uh, cut yourself off from doing the mitzvah of going to a Sudas mitzvah just because they're doing something wrong and playing music. So, uh, and, if you, and, if you, and if you're really troubled by the music, you can plug your ears. You anyway need to plug your ears sometimes because of the volume. Or you can walk out, he says, when they turn on the phonograph. 
but you shouldn't not go to the party because of this consideration. So they asked the Marshag, tell us, you know, help resolve our, our disagreement. What do you think? Is, are you allowed to play the phonograph playing psukim for songs? Is that legitimate according to the Torah or not? Says the Marshag, his, uh, his opening is as follows. If not for my great respect for you, he says, my correspondent, I really am not interested in answering a shayla like this. Why? He makes, a very curious, uh, he makes a very curious point. He says, a very powerful point, but he makes a very interesting point. He says, certain types of halachas are technical, they're cut and dried, they have uh, clear answers, he says. If you ask me a shayla about Shabbos and Yontif, the malachas of Shabbos and Yontif, Muktzah and so on, Shatnes, Ribbis, he says, this is rigorous halacha. This is, the, this, is, this is law. This is where we have clear rules. Sometimes there are disagreements. Sometimes the rules are not so clear. But it's a rule-based system. It's halacha. This is what we think of as, as halacha, rigorous halacha. If, and it's, it's not situational. It's not uh, subjective, he says. If it's asr, it's universally asr. If it's mutter, it's universally mutter. It's true, we sometimes have ideas of hefs and maruba and shas et chak, But in general, the, in general, halacha is... That's one of the fundamental characteristics of law. Law is broad-based. Law is supposed to be universal, equal protection under the law. The, one of the fundamental notions of law is that law is supposed to be uh, broad, broad rules that apply across the board. That's what real halacha is. That's what a posik does. He answers questions about objective halacha. He says, your question, he says, is very, very subjective. It changes l'fiyah makom, based on the place, the context, l'fiyah zman, l'fiyah adam. It's a very, very subjective question. He says, in some contexts, it is a great issue to play music out of psukim. In some contexts, it's mutter, maybe even a mitzvah, he says. And this is very much something where we say, it depends on your, your motivation, your intention, he says. I'm going to explain to you why I think so. And then he engages in a, again, you might have, you might have said it to Gemara. Well, what's situational? The Gemara says, you're not allowed to sing psukim. But Marshag the great posik that he was, he felt it was not so simple. He brings in various Kabbalistic and Hasidic sources that uh, emotion, a, person, a person's emotion is a very important in Avodah Hashem. One of the four midas in particular are crucial for proper Avodah Hashem. In particular, he says, Atzvus. Atzvus is translated as sadness, melancholy, depression. That's a very problematic midah, he says. Midah Ramot. He says... Theologically, it's a bad midah because you're expressing dissatisfaction with God. You, you don't approve of the way God runs the world. More than that, he says, forget the theology involved, he says, it leads to bad things. It leads to avarus. Even being depressed about sin, sin that you've done is wrong, he says, adopting the classic Hasidic, Hasidic approach, uh, that Breslov and so on. Hashem doesn't want you to be upset if you've done avarus. You need to do tshuva, you have to have charata. But falling into a depression and a melancholy is wrong, he says. It can even lead to suicide. That's certainly something we understand from a modern mental health perspective. Depression can certainly lead to, uh, in its uh, extreme state, can lead to suicide. He's heard of this, he says. He's virtually seen this. So depression is something that needs to be avoided. So he says, someone who is inclined toward depression, he says, certainly playing the phonograph to raise his spirits. Again, if you have clinical depression, I don't know how much music is going to help. But uh, certainly, he says, if your goal in playing music is to, uh, is to improve your mental health, he says. That is certainly legitimate. However, he says, someone who's not particularly depressed and just enjoys listening to music, he says, and wants to play some sukkim and play, play songs of Torah, that's Asr, he says. Absolutely Asr, he says. 
That's the Isser of uh, the Torah complains, my children have made me like a, like a harp, like an instrument to play music, he says. That's why he says it's very subjective, it depends on the Adam and the Makom and the Zman. He can't give flat rules, he says, every person needs to know what he needs. Again, he obviously didn't understand that this is an Isser like eating treif. Eating treif, it's true, if it's literally Pekok Nefesh, you can do it. But in general, we don't say eating treif is subjective, you have to ask yourself, how do I feel about it? That's not orthodoxy. In orthodoxy, we're bound by the halacha. The halacha says what it says. Sometimes, if it's a machlokas, we have a terim of shasat chak, and so on. But in general, asur is asur, mutter is mutter. And, uh, but this, the marshag, marshag understood, this isser is not a, uh, an absolute objective isser. It's very subjective. It depends what your motivation is. Therefore, he says, asking me as a posik to issue a formal ruling, asur or mutter, this is something that you need to, to talk about to someone who knows you, I guess, and can give you a personalized verdict, he says. But uh, I can't give you a cloud, as, as idealistic as you are, I can't give you a general rule, he says, but uh, I can't really give you a rule. However, he says, if you want to know some guidance, what I would tell you is, if you're a Talmud Chacham who knows how to use his time well, and can stay home and learn Torah, he says, I think you should stay home. I agree with your friend, you should stay home. Staying home and learning Torah is even more of a mitzvah, he says, than going to a Suda's mitzvah. He says, that which it says, that it's a mitzvah to go to a Suda's mitzvah, a great mitzvah, even if it means bitl Torah, that means there won't be enough people without you, they need you, you're going to make the simcha. That's one thing he says. But just to go to a, to a typical simcha, he says, it's more of a mitzvah to stay home and learn Torah. Then he quotes in a classic uh, yeshivish approach, he was, not a, he, was, he was actually a Hungarian Hasidish, but... Uh, in a classic, uh, this would be right, in, right, right uh, this would be classic for a modern uh, mashkiach or a shishiva. In a litvish shishiva, he says, he was a student of the Maram Shik, the, the, the greatest Hungarian posik of his time, probably. He says, the Maram Shik used to tell me, when I was in yeshiva, he used to say, in Yiddish, he used to say, When you sit and learn, you never have charat. If you have a dilemma, should I learn, should I not learn, should I do some mitzvah, he says. If you don't know, then you should learn. You'll never regret sitting and learning, he says. And many times, he says, this, this advice, this, uh, this motto served me in good stead. I have seen this many times. It's true. I had, a, I had a choice of whether to learn or not to learn. And it turns out, it's true. If you learn, stay and learn and don't do whatever it is that uh, someone or some voice in your head is encouraging you to do, you'll be okay. You won't regret sitting and learning. Simchas are not great places to be. They're, there's inappropriate conduct, he says. And certainly if you can stay home and learn, he recommends that. And that's all I have to say on this topic, he says. All right, so this is the Marshag. The Marshag feels that the Isser is a serious Isser. However, he says it's subjective. He takes for granted that this is not the same thing as Basar Bukhalov or Ribis or Mukta. This is very much a subjective Isser. Achar Kavanah Salev, Advarim. You have to ask yourself, why am I listening to music? If it's for pure entertainment, that's a terrible iser. If it is to uh, alleviate and mitigate your depression, then that is, that, is a, that is a legitimate reason. That is his ruling. Okay, so this is the Marshag. The case happened to be a phonograph. I, I don't know that it matters that it was a phonograph as opposed to people just singing songs for, uh, for their entertainment or playing instruments. It's, it's all pretty much the same thing, presumably. We'll see in some of the other tshuvas some distinctions later. But this is his position, that this issue remains in force. It is, however, something which, is, which follows Kibana Salev. The Ramosha Feinstein has a couple of tshuvas on this topic, an earlier one and a later one. In his earlier tshuva, he is 
somewhat more strict. In his earlier tshuva, he was asked about recording psukim, psukim and melodies, recording uh, t- typical Jewish music, it sounds like, recording, recording psukim on a tape recorder. That's what they used to have before they had iPhones and iPads and, uh, and whatnots. Tape recorder. So this is after the gramophone and before the iPhone. In between, tape recorder. So he says, are you allowed to do that? Asr, he says, Asr l'chatila, to do this, you're not allowed to record Jewish music, psukim music, on a tape recorder. Osepasr kamin zemer, Torah Not allowed to do such a thing, it's a Gemara. The Gemara says Asr, so it's Asr. One exception, in his early tshuva, Ramosha gave one exception. If you're making the recorder in order for the children to learn, the school air, they have the Chemdath program, the kids sing all, ta- all types of things, psukim, the little, uh, little, little thoughts of Torah, and so on different types of uh, basic Jewish literacy. So Ramosha says, that's mutter. Similar to the Marshag, who says it's subjective and it depends what your intention is. But uh, also, Ramosha says, if your intention is, by default, your intention is for entertainment, that's usr. If your intention is to learn Torah, to help a kid remember, to, to make him interested, to help him remember, that's yesh lahater, he says. But in general, in Ramosha's early tshuva, he said it is usr to record Music, musical versions of the Torah. Ramosha returned to this returned to this question in a later tshuva, about, also about a tape recorder. He says he discusses this iser of Sanhedrin, and he says, "What's the hatter?" He says, "It sounds like it's something that should be aser." And not only that, Ramosha argues that this should extend not just to Torah, not not just to psukim. Ramosha understands that brachas you can't record songs about brachas either. Baruch learns his brachas. You have songs about brachas that should also be aser, because brachas are Torah. And Ramosha assumes, a tremendous chiddush, but Ramosha assumes that even Torah Shabal Peh, Mistaver, probably he thinks that, that, that Torah Shabal Peh is also included in this sister. So we're going from Shira Shirim, which is one particular book of Tanakh, to Torah Shabal in general, to Torah Shabal Peh, and even to brachas. It's all aser, Ramosha says. Maishna, what's the difference? It's just as disrespectful to sing Torah Shabal Peh as to sing Torah Shabal Brachas are a form of Torah as well, he says. Everything is Asr. So, it should all be Asr, he says. Maybe Ramosha says that it's, uh, if you're playing it on a, on, a, on a tape recorder, on a gramophone, he says, maybe it's not a human who's doing the actual singing, he's doing the recording, but now the machine is doing the singing. Maybe that's why, he says, many people are makil, many people are lenient to, 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 to do, uh, to have recorded Jewish music. I mean, people are lenient with live music as well. People have concerts with live music also. Ramosha doesn't address that, but he says that at least with recorded music, maybe people are make ill because they think as long as it's not an actual human being who's, uh, who's, uh, who, who's, who's singing, I mean, he had to sing when he recorded the music, but he says that even though, the, even though the person is operating the tape recorder, that's not a problem, he says. That's why he says in the previous generation, before they had tape recorders, they had records, he says. And they had the gramophone, he says, and the Chachmei Adar didn't object. We saw the Marshag uh, did object somewhat, but Ramosha says, in general, the Chachmei Adar did not object. So he says that, the, he says that maybe they're Mekel because, it's, uh, because it's, uh, it's not a human being singing. Now Ramosha acknowledges the Minigas to be Mekel, he says. Rov Olam, as we see today, most people, he says, are Mekel to sing Brachos and Psukim, in, even Hasidim and Anshe Masi says, even people who are meticulous, people who are particular about halacha, even they seem to be lenient, he says. So he's not sure what to make of all this, he says, but, the, but he says, the people are mekel, it's Mafrusha Gemara, he says, the Gemara says, Asr, lo yadali tam nachon. 
I do not have a good reason, he says. I don't know why people are so lenient. It's an explicit Gemara. So he doesn't know why people are just uh, blithely ignoring this sister. He struggles with it. Maybe, he says, Maybe this applies only to Shirashir. This is a debate that already goes back to the Rishonim. Rashi seems to say the Gemara means even Shirashir. Even Shirashirim, which is anyway, uh, which is anyway a song, Anyway, really, a song is usher. Certainly, things like Anochi Hashem Alokecha or Brachis Bar Alokim is certainly usher, he says. Rats, he says, but that's what Rashi says. Maybe, maybe the Minakal Olam, he says, is to be Selmecha and another interpretation of the Gemara that it's only Shirashirim. But the summary Sharam seems to say that. But again, he says, Sarachian, to, to be Mekil, to be, to be against Rashi, he says, because maybe you can learn the Gemara differently. Again, Sarachian, to be Selmecha, that Lamaisi, he says, is, uh, it's, uh, it's a hard sell, he says. He says, Lamaisa, the Minigas to be Mekel. So, insofar as the Minigas to be Mekel, he says, you can't, you can't say everyone's doing the wrong thing. So, Bikra Din, he's willing to allow it. He doesn't know why exactly, but he's willing to tolerate Kula. And if it's Mutter, to have, for a person to sing, to, to, make, to make music out of Sukkim, certainly a tape recorder is Mutter as well. However, Ramosha says, even though it's the Minhug, Ramosha says what we often say in such cases we have a well established Minhug that is halakhically dubious. You can't pass him that it's Usur. But a Balnefe should be Machmer, similar to what Ramosha said about Chal of Yisrael, similar to what Poskim said about modern municipal Erevin, that even though the Minig is to be lenient, there is grounds to be Machmer, a Balnefe should be Machmer. Ramosha says the same thing over here, that music is, uh, music is, music of Psukim is dubious. Elsewhere, Ramosha discusses the fact that all music is dubious after the Chorban, they made certain Xeris against music. So music in general is dubious, but certainly when it involves Torah, it is dubious that Balnefa should be machmer, that you should not make a tape recorder out of brachas and psukim, and if, it is, and if the recording is already made, you shouldn't play it, he says. So, Mikra Din, he can't say it's usher because the minute gets to be mekil, but he's not convinced and he thinks the Balnefa should be machmer. So that's what Ramosha says in, the, in his second shuba. Similarly, Rabban Tzion Meir Chayuzil a posik operating in a very different culture, a Sephardic posik in Eretz Yisrael. Rav Uziel also is quite strict on this question of music. He says, first of all, he says, this isser of playing Torah as music is not limited to things that have Shem Shemayim. He says, any posik of Tfilah or Divrei Torah, similar to Ramosha, it's not limited to Torah Shabbat Any type of Torah, you are not allowed to play by... These types of machines, gramophone, Kal Noah, a movie, pro, uh, mo, uh, movie, movie projector, he says, you're not allowed to play any kind of Torah, Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat apparently, davening. You cannot play any type of Torah or tefillah for entertainment via a gramophone or a movie player, he says. And that is what Chazal meant when they said, Akore Pasuk Shir Hashirim is a terrible thing. You have no business doing that. He paskins later in the tshuva, Yotze Ladina, it is usher to be mashmia by a, by a machine of the gramophone or the kolnoa, any pasuk of Torah or tefillah, uh, even if there's no shem shemayim, you're not allowed to listen to it, you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to play it, you're not allowed to listen to it. If you do that, the Torah is chagera sakva omer, asuni banecha kikinar shem you're treating me like a jester's toy, like a jester's uh, implements, he says, ashrei ha'ish, Quotes the first, the very first chapter again, ironically of Tehillim, Ashrei Ha'ish LeYashav Moshev Leitzim, that uh, blessed is he, happy is he who does not sit with the Leitzim, Valav Tavo Alav Brichas Atov, 
you have no business turning psukim and Torah into music for entertainment. Now, other poskim are more lenient. Ravavadi Yosef, in Yabiya Omer, in a couple of chuvas, Ravadi Yosef is much more lenient about this. He quotes the Mishpatei Uziel, he quotes Rav Uziel's chuva, and he says, he's, he takes the approach that it really depends on what your motivation is, what you think you're doing. Certainly, he says, if you're doing it, derech litzonus v'schok, it's certainly usher, he says. With a gramophone, without a gramophone, you certainly can't use Torah in a vulgar and uh, disrespectful, inappropriate way. That's certainly usher, he says. However, he says, when you're at a, a Jewish simcha, simcha schasen v'kala, wedding party, shar simcha shal mitzvah, maybe a, a Purim Masiba or a Hanukkah Masiba, a bris, a pidina ben, uvamakom gila shamra adra b'yiraz Hashem al pneim, and the attitude, the, the, the emotional the emotional framework is, is appropriate. There's Yerash Shemayim there, he says. It's Gila, it's joy, yes, it's a happy occasion, but there's also Yerash Hashem. And they play Psukim of Shvach Vahodah to Hashem Yisparach. They're playing Psukim as, as a form of, of prayer, as a form of praising and thanking God. Even if they play instruments as well, they have guitars and violins or drums and so on, he says. He thinks it's much. Gramophone also, he says, it's like any other instrument, as long as it's with the proper, respectful, frame of mind, it's not derech schok v'kalas rosh, you can say that it's mutter. Now he points out that the Yad Ramah, one of the Rishonim, Rameir Halevi Abu Lafya, the Yad Ramah already proposes such a chilak. Yad Ramah, one of his, one of his far, svarim is on Sanhedrin, so he proposes this chilak as well. He says, yesh lefarish. We can suggest, he says, that the, that the objection of the Gemara is only if you do it derech schok, is only if you do it in a in a, uh, in a vulgar and uh, disrespectful way. But if you're having to praise a Kodesh Baruch Hu, he says, Derech Nigun, if you're, if you're intending to praise a Kodesh Baruch Hu musically, Shaper Dami. Maybe it's okay, he says. Milsa Tzricha Yuna. So the Adrama was not willing to commit himself to this. He was not willing to go out on a limb and be matter. He says, Tarachian, maybe if you're doing it uh, out of Yerushalayim and to praise Hashem, maybe that is mutter. Says Rav Avadia, so the Adrama had such an idea, but he wasn't willing to commit himself to it. However, says Rav Avadia, in such cases we apply the rule. Like Ramosha, he says the minig is clearly to be mekel. In such cases, this is a, this is a formally recognized halachic rule. Im halacha rofefes v'beistin. If the beistin, if the poskim are unsure of a halacha, and you're not sure what the rule should be, go see how the tibur is nohig, Catholic Israel. We don't take this as far as the conservative movement does, obviously. We, we, our halacha is rather more rigorous. But nevertheless, there is, there, there is room for the notion of Catholic Israel if the halacha itself is unclear and allows for multiple interpretations. And we see the minig is clearly one way. Says Rav Avadia, in appropriate circumstances, we can establish the halacha based on the minig. Kfar pashat ha-minig olam. Says Rav Avadia, this is a well-established Jewish practice in parties of mitzvah. Shabbos, they sing Tehillim, and Mitzrayim, they would sing Shirashirim, and uh, between Pesach and Shavuos, and they would say Tehillim, and different things. He says, all, Halal, all kinds of examples. He says, we find that there is a well-established tradition, of, a well-established minog of putting Torah to musical accompaniment. So of Avadi's position, similar to that of the, of the Marshag and Ramosha, again, he says, it depends on your frame of mind. Achar Kavanah if it's derech schok and derech Latsanas, it's certainly aser. If, if if it's praising a kodesh baruch Hu, if it's about uh, if it's about uh, giving shvach v'odah to Hashem, 
then there is ample basis for that to be mutter. One of the sources he brings for this is a Magan Avram. Magan Avram is quoting a Maril. The Maril is one of the first of the, of the postkim to, to engage this at all, very briefly, but Maril says, on the one hand, Shalokadin. It's improper. People who sing at mishtos, at bars, at parties, they sing Odcha Kiani Sani. They sing Piyutim, not Shir apparently, even Tehillim, it's generally Aster. You're having a party, you're with friends, you want to enjoy some music, so you sing Psukim, that's Shalokadin. And it says it's just terrible. However, in shuls on Yom Tov, on the contrary, it's a mitzvah. The Germans have always been, uh, always taken music, liturgical music, very seriously. Marel gives us all kinds of rules for what you sing and how you sing it, and the different nigun for different Yom Tovim. The Germans are very particular about their traditions, their musical traditions of the liturgy. So the Mariel makes this distinction. He says, singing at Simcha Meireus, at a, at a social event, is absolutely usher. Singing as part of the tefillah and the Beis HaKnesses, that is, that, is, uh, that is very good. That is a mitzvah. Says Rav Avadia, perhaps the Mariel means, perhaps the Mariel means that if you're singing in shul, he says, shul is a place that tends to, that tends to uh, eliminate the possibility of engaging in tzchok v'kalas rosh. People are serious in shul. Halavai, halavai, we should always be so serious in shul. Therefore, the Maril is matter even sukim, and the Ramah is not short. Maril is short. The Maril says, as long as it's uh, part of Avodah Hashem, part of, part of liturgical singing, that is fine. Ravadi goes on, and he says that the, as long as it's Bederach Tova V'Yishara, B'Yeres Hashem Al Pneim, Kovid Rosh, for Simcha Shal Mitzvah, it's Mutter, and even a Mitzvah. And even in the base of Mishnah, if that's the context in which it's being done, basic Nessus is Lavdafka, the Icar is that it's being done with the appropriate frame of mind, with the appropriate gravitas and religious seriousness, then it is Mutter. So Ravavadya is, is making an interesting distinction. He's saying, on the one hand, if it's Derech Schok Fakalis Rosh, if it's a uh, vulgar and inappropriate type of Simcha, then it's Aser. If it's part of a uh, legitimate religious experience, then it's Mutter. How would he classify a typical modern concert, uh, the kind they have on Chalamoid? It, it's obviously, to a large extent, entertainment. It's not, it's hard to qualify that as Yiras Hashem al Pnehem. It's hard to qualify that as, uh, as, the, as, as religious devotion. Maybe some of them are. It's difficult to know how you would, uh, non-Jews have concerts as well, and we have concerts. Baruch Hashem, the, 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 the music we have is a whole lot uh, less vulgar than the music, I'm talking about the lyrics, not, not the, I'm not commenting on the musicality of it, but the lyrics. We, 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 we sing about wholesome things, we sing about Psukim, we sing about Eretz Yisrael, we sing about Klal Yisrael, whatever the musical narrative it is, but certainly we're not singing about uh, drugs and, uh, and, and sinning and, and uh, inappropriate behavior. Certainly our music uh, deals with, uh, with much, with much uh, more wholesome sentiments, so the question is, uh, again, would, would a typical concert that's marketed and attended largely out of entertainment, but they are singing psukim, would that have Rav Avadia's heter of, uh, of Yeres Hashem al Pneim, or would that be more like the Isser of Beis Mishtoz, Simcha Maril, Simcha Mereus? The Maril just says, if it's Simcha Mereus, then it's Aser. It's hard to know exactly where typical, typical musical entertainment, people like to listen to music when they're driving, it helps uh, put them in a good mood, it keeps them awake, it uh, takes the monotony out of the drive, is that, uh, it's hard to argue that that's a form of Avodah Hashem. On the other hand, it's, uh, it's not exactly Schok and Kalos Rosh. So a, lo- a lot of what we do as music is somewhere in between these two extremes. It's not quite Yiras Hashem al Pneim, Bekovid Rosh, L'smoach, Simcha Shal Mitzvah. 
On the other hand, it's also not Tzchok V'Kalas Rosh. So it's hard to know exactly where, where of Avadia would, uh, what, what, he would, what he would consider the music that we typically listen to. In a, in a second shuvah, Rav Avadia says that the, he goes back to this question of tape recorders and gramophones. He says, again, it's only mutter if it's Simcha Shal Mitzvah, like Chasm Kala, Bris Mila. Again, it doesn't sound like a typical concert or music while you're driving or uh, just uh, you know, a dinner party would be mutter, but at least Simcha Shal Mitzvah, Chasm Vakala is mutter. And even then, it's only if they have the appropriate uh, seriousness, Kovid Rosh, Yerz Hashem Al Pneim, Ched Hashem he says, Chalila, he says, Linhog Kalas Rosh, Pepsuke Torah, Vashira Shirim, and to treat them like Shire Ava Vlatsanus. Again, there's a lot of excluded middle here. On the one hand, Shire Ava Vlatsanus and Schok Vakalas Rosh are wrong. On the other hand, Simcha Shal Mitzvah and Kovid Rosh and Yerza Shemal Pneim is Mutter. And uh, what do you do with our music, with our typical music listening habits? He is not uh, entirely clear. Couple of final chuvas on the topic. Rabbi Huda Herzl Henkin, in Shale to Chuvas Bnei Banim, he says, <coughs> those who combine Psukim and Divri Chazal, Tarash Balpeh as well, apparently, with rock music, music or rock, and country, he says, even if they're not in shul, he says, it depends what they are doing. If they are primarily, if they like the melodies, they just need words, they stick some Psukim onto it, that is wrong. That's Oster, that's what the Gemara is prohibiting. Um, but, if, but if they're doing it for the words, if they, if they, want, to, if they, if they want to sing Tukim and they happen to find a nice melody, that apparently is better. So, the, so Rabbi Hankin seems to think that even if it's not necessarily Schok Vakalas Rosh, the, the, the mere fact that, it's, uh, that you're not engaged in positive Avodah Hashem, you, you simply like the music and you're putting Tukim to the music, even that's a problem, he seems to think. All right. But Rabbi Vadya, we've said, is more lenient, or Moshe notes the Minog is, 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 the minog is, is, is to be more lenient here. And the Marshag already said that it's largely subjective. It depends on why you're doing it. Although, again, the Marshag's subjective heter is not just because it's a wholesome activity. The Marshag's subjective is that you are suffering from serious depression. All right. Rav Asher Weiss. Rav Asher Weiss, another leading contemporary posik, he has a tshuva, again, about singing psukim of Shirashirim in various melodies. The Gemara says, terrible thing, he says. How can you do that? <coughs> Is it talking about Shira Shirim or any Psukim? So that's a Machlokas. He brings Rishonim, Machronim. He brings all kinds of different shitos, the various, uh, the various sources we've quoted, other sources. His conclusion is, he says, even though, even the Magan Avram, Magan Avram is brought as, and the Maril, Mishnah Brura, they're the ones who say that liturgical music is mutter, but they seem to imply that, he, that the only hetter is liturgical music, in shul, as part of the davening. Not anything you do uh, that, that's wholesome. It, it, only liturgical music is mutter. So even though he says Magna Avram and the Mishnah Brewer, some of the greatest uh, postkim for B'nai Ashkenaz, our, our Machmer, he says, for just pure entertainment. However, the Taz is more lenient. The, the, the Taz implies that, that music in general, there, there's more basis for leniency. Others far more, more, more makely says, we have some Rishonim who are more makely says, whether Shir Hashirim or any other music, as long as it's not against Chok V'Kalas Rosh, there's more grounds for leniency. Again, he says, uh, similar to Ramosh and Rav Avadia, he kind of defers to the, the Minhag. He says, Yisrael, If Jews do something, we should give them the benefit of the doubt, even if it can't be fully justified. If we see it as a widespread, uh, widespread custom, we should, we should say that uh, this is probably some justification for it. Then, 
he adds something uh, really, really bold. He says, furthermore, he says, Bismanazeh, he would argue for a harasha, Ace Lasses Lashem. Ace Lasses Lashem is one of the mo- very most, most absolutely powerful halachic principles, halachic tools in our toolbox. Ace Lasses Lashem means something which is flat out usser. We can just override and say now it is mutter because the survival of the Jewish people, the survival of the Torah needs it. That's when they wrote down the Talmud, they wrote down Mishnah, Gemara. You're not allowed to write down Torah Shabal Peh. But Ace Lassus Lashem, Jews were forgetting Torah and Golos, so they wrote it down. Elio and Hara Carmel, he, he brought a carbon when Bamas were Asr. This is one of the most uh, radical, almost antinomian principles that we have that the Chum have the right to simply override the halacha sometimes and say that something that should be Asr is going to be Mutter because it's really, really important for it to be Mutter. Says Rav Weiss that. Why is it so important? Because if people don't sing psukim, chalila, they'll sing non-Jewish songs and secular songs, which do have schok and holos, mamish, and even worse things, he says. And uh, because of that, tamekilim, yeshlamashi yismochu, there's basis for leniency because otherwise things would get really bad. Again, it seems like a very, uh, a very uh, eyebrow-raising hetter. Something that the Gemara says is oser, you can just decide that's mutter because you're worried about... Uh, Jews singing non-Jewish songs, inappropriate songs. All right, probably Rav Weiss is being selmech on all this far as he says. It's not that there's other basis for leniency and so on. So Rav Asher Weiss is lenient, and he says, at least Shirashirim you really should avoid. Lachari you should avoid, at the very least, you should avoid Shirashirim, because that's what the Gemara is explicit about. You know, avoid Hashmienu as, uh, as Kolech, avoid Kol Dodi, and so on. And, uh, but Lamaisi says, even that, he says, you can be mekel if you're, if you're singing it in a context of Vekus, of cleaving to Hashem, and his lavas to Kedusha, of a Holy Spirit of a religious arousal, he says, then you can be mekel even in Psuke Shirashirim, Kachner Daiti, then even, even that, the basis to be mekel, even on that, he says, even Shirashirim, he has some basis for leniency. Rav Chaim Jachter has an essay where he sums up much of this literature. He says, you know, it's, it's a problem. There were all kinds of heterim. He says the minig is to be mekil. He says that uh, our time needs it, similar to Rav Weiss. He says that it's, uh, he says history shows, or Salvechik used to say that history sometimes paskins. Jewish music has proven itself to be a potent component of the critical struggle for Orthodox Jewish cultural survival. We have music that's uh, antithetical to Torah values in the general culture, he says, the existence of a vibrant Jewish music scene is essential. Very similar to Rav Weiss, we have, uh, we have, we really need it, it's really important, and so on, and therefore we should, uh, therefore we should, we should, uh, we should be lenient on this, he says, there is basis for leniency. But again, as we've seen, it's, it's far, it's far from universal. We find poskim like Ramosha and, and Rav Avadia deferring somewhat to the Minog, we have poskim like Rav Uziel, being rather stricter, we have the Marshag being lenient, but only in very limited circumstances. I even saw once, this is quite surprising, but I, I saw, I saw a uh, piece by Rabbi Yosef Golding, I believe he's the Ding in Suki and Ding, two famous Jewish music producers. He says, he was a student of Rapam, and Rabbi Rampam of Taravadas, he says when he, when he learned the Gemara in Sanhedrin about it's terrible to sing Psukim, he didn't know what to do. He said, uh, is it only Shir Hashirim? And he said, no, Rapam Paskin, Rapam told him, it applies to all songs, like Rashi, Kolshkein, and Kolshkein, and the rest of Tanakh. 
What about all the Jewish music he said? What about all the CDs? Back then they had records. Today we have CDs and MP3s. What about music he says? So Rapam told him again, similar in, in very broad terms to the Marshag and Ramosha and Ravavadia, it depends on the context, he says. If you're doing Kirov, if you're at Jep, and you're bringing non religious children together and bringing them closer to Hashem, then wonderful, he says. Pirche, youth groups, and you're inspiring Jews to bring them, Jewish children, to bring them closer to Torah. All right, he says. But to take a guitar on stage and sing psukim to entertain the audience, the Torah don sackcloth and complains to Hashem. This is, again, Rabbi Golding's report of Rav Palm's position. What he would have thought about Karlbach, Avram Fried, you know, Mordechai ben David, Yaakov Shweki, Benny Friedman. I have no idea, but, uh, but according to Golding, Rav Palm said, taking a guitar on stage and singing psukim to entertain the audience, even if it's, again, wholesome entertainment, it, 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 at least the way it's brought, it wasn't only Schok and Kalas Rosh, unless it is consciously for a religious purpose, again, many of these entertainers would no doubt say they are doing it for, uh, to bring people closer to Hashem. I'm sure they would all say that their music is not meant to be mindless entertainment, their music is meant to bring people closer to Hashem. I find it very unlikely that any musical, any Jewish music singer is going to say, nope, my music is not intended to bring you closer to Hashem. It is merely intended to entertain you. And, uh, okay, but, I, but anyway, so the poskim are, as, we, as we've seen, many poskim are lenient, pachos yoser, when the intent is a uh, noble religious intent. What, but what does that really mean? How, 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 how authentic, how primary does that intention have to be? That is something that is, something that is somewhat unclear. My... My father has told me several times that they once approached, I believe it was Rav Salavechik, and they asked him, uh, can't sing Shir Hashirim? Like, what about, you know, like, what about Kalbach? So I believe that Rav Salavechik said, yeah, that's exactly what Chazal were referring to. That's exactly what you shouldn't be doing. That's exactly what Chazal didn't want you to do. As we've seen, it's, um, it's a major machlokus. There, there is some machlokus about it. The, the minhag is, uh, minhag obviously from Kalbach down to the current day is to be fairly lenient. Many poskin condone at least uh, some level of leniency. Exactly how far is not clear, but at the end of the day, we have the language of Rav Moshe, Rav Moshe, Rav Avadia, and other poskin that we have a minog, even if we don't have a, a we, even if we don't have an entirely satisfactory uh, justification for the minog, the minog itself is, uh, to a certain extent, to a limited extent, again, this is orthodoxy, but to a limited extent, minhagim are self-justifying. Although, again, Rav Moshe did say that for a bal nefesh, there would be more basis for, there would be basis for stringency. Thank you all very much. Have a good night, have a good Shabbos, and a good Yanta for those of you who I won't Rabbi, see before Yanta. Rabbi, Rabbi, so you're, you're saying that self-justifying? Within limits, again, with, within limits. You, you, have, you have to be a...
Yeah, so, so you're asking very good questions, and, and I, I, the, 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 these are certainly critical questions. When do we allow a minog to be self-justifying? As I've said many times, when poskim like a minog, they talk about minog mavatal halacha, minog can override halacha, and about b'nei neviim heim, and, uh, and chalila to be motzi laz al harishonim, as we discussed a little while back. When poskim don't like a minog, then they say, minog osios gehenim. The letters of minog are the same osios as gehenim. So how do you decide when a minog is, is something that has to be given tremendous deference because because you can't just say everyone is wrong. And when you say no, sometimes everyone is wrong. Sometimes uh, the olam is a golem, as they say. How do you know when to say one and when to say the other? It's a difficult question. So one rule I would say is that virtually always when posts can justify a minog, they do provide at least some halachic basis for it. It might not be uh, the most persuasive. It might be a question of machlokes or, 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 or very, very innovative. But usually when posts can defend a minog, they'll provide at least some type of basis for it. When there's literally no basis, poskim are very reluctant to, uh, you know, to, to uphold the minog. And here also, here, they are, this is something that there isn't a lot of halakhic literature about. It wasn't, it wasn't a tradition, lahachmer or lahakil, that, had, that was well established one way or another. It's a gemara, but, but it's not really brought in shulchan aruch, and it's not, uh, it's not discussed clearly by the poskim. And the gemara is really in an agada context, which often uh, don't always mean you know, entirely literally. And, and, like, and like the marshag said, and the marshag also takes for granted this kind of iser, this kind of prohibition is something that's fundamentally very different from cut and dried, black and white isurim like ribis and shabbos and shatnis. This is much more of a dashkafik, uh, agadik, uh, I'm not sure what to call it, iser, and therefore Postkin felt, uh, there may be another reason why Postkin felt a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more willing to allow it to be reinterpreted. The other point of Harasha, you're right, it's a, it, it's a tremendously dangerous doctrine. I mean, those who wanted to reform Judaism over the centuries have often taken a similar position, that we can just rewrite the Torah to suit, uh, to suit modern needs and modern ideas. And obviously, we, we understand that. That's one of the hallmarks of orthodoxy, is that we are much more rigorous, we are much more rigid about what types of rewriting we allow. I, I, I certainly can't give, in a, in a, in a simple soundbite, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't be able to give a, a clear and precise definition of what yes and what not. That's why you have to be, uh, you, you need to be a great posik for this. You, you need to be someone who, you know, who, who lives with the Torah, who, is, uh, who, who knows a tremendous amount of Torah and has a tremendously deep understanding of Torah. But yes, it, it, it's always, it certainly is very dangerous to start invoking Harasha and Eislas Lashem. And Ravasher, I assume, is only doing it in combination with all the other arguments he makes that the, that the parameters of the Isra are not really clear to begin with. So we can certainly use Eislas Lashem to push us in the direction of the more the more lenient interpretation that he thinks is, uh, is beneficial to Claudius Israel. But yes, but, but you're absolutely right. On both points, these are very provocative and dangerous doctrines, absolutely. Rabbi, it's really interesting. Today's paper mentioned that young American Jews are much more likely than their parents to become Orthodox. That there's a rise, according to the Pew survey, uh-huh. uh, of young people becoming Orthodox. But it also mentioned their adoption of pop cultural platforms uh, so that they have, for example, um, um, they have uh, sort of from videos, you know, music videos. You know, so it really can underscore kind of the, the problematic aspect of, the, of adopting those. Right. So, 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 so the point Jason is making about the incorporation of, of popular culture into Judaism, people often point out that, it, that, that if you think about it uh, carefully, Borrowing from pop culture is not new. The, 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 the German, German music, German Jewish music often sounds like 
German non-Jewish music, Polish Jewish music often sounds like Polish non-Jewish music, Sephardic Jewish music often sounds like Arabic or Mediterranean or Eastern uh, non-Jewish music. So th- th- there was always obviously a lot of borrowing to some extent. Each, you know, just like in the secular world, each generation, each generation is appalled at the at the musical choices of of the youth of the whether it's jazz, rock and roll, hip hop, rap, and whatever the kids are doing today. So in Judaism, to some extent, Lahavdil, we find a similar phenomenon that things from previous generations were ready, you know, whether they're Polish military waltzes and marches or whatnot, have become accepted as Jewish today, while, 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 while some of the people uh, wring their hands at the incorporation of, but today's uh, borrowing of secular culture is truly terrible. So there, there is some of that, that each generation has a hard time accepting some of the newest innovations of the... Are they objectively worse or not? Good question. But yeah, no, there's no question things have degenerated. There's no question that Mozart is different from the, some of the, let's say, the crudeness and explicitness of, uh, of uh, modern hip-hop. You know, modern hip-hop may have artistic merit, uh, but, but it certainly is a whole lot more explicit and a whole, not more, a whole lot more problematic from a halachic perspective uh, than, than Mozart was. So, so obviously there are objective differences. But, uh, but yes, you're right. It, it, it is a phenomenon definitely worth noting and studying and uh, contemplating uh, what we think about it. Should we, should we, uh, should we accept that and, uh, and own that because it helps Jews uh, find their way to orthodoxy? Should we say it's a price not worth paying? Those are, those are obviously good questions. Yes, absolutely.